Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Fruit Loops season two, episode 16. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. Would you believe it? Um, There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment leave out commonly because the news is racist. Allegedly. (laughs) And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just Uh -uh. a couple of gals interested in true crime. Mm -hmm. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. Mm. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And that's right. And if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, thank you, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me slash 
dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. Or if you can't help monetarily, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. Yes. So, Beth, who are we talking about today? So today we are talking about Paul Durosso, also known as the Jacksonville Strangler, an American serial killer who murdered seven young women, including two who were pregnant, in the southeast United States mm. between 1997 and 2003. All right, let's get into it. So, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I went to a Valentine's Day party yesterday, which was really fun. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love how Valentine's Day has been turned into a holiday to celebrate our female friends. And uh, I personally, I hate Valentine's Day. So I love oh, to no. turn things that I hate <laughs> into things that I love. <laughs> you, you hate You hate Valentine's Day? Come on. Yeah, the I hate cookies, it. I hate the it. The sweets, the chocolates. Come on. Uh, so, yeah. um. <laughs> Well, now I love it because because uh, it's Galentine's Day. So, okay. Well, uh, all the more reason. Yes, Galentine's Day is worthy of much celebration. I bought a new dildo <laughs> that will hang in my shower, <laughs> and I am so excited for it to arrive. <laughs> um, so, happy Galentine's Day to me. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> I, happy Valentine's Day, Beth. I'm so happy for you. Um, <laughs> so I feel so guilty because I, I, I work a lot. I have a full-time job. Yeah, you do. I have the podcast. I have my skincare business. And then I also sing. I'm Moonlight as a singer, right? So I got a lot of, I got a lot of things going on. Um, also, I don't like children <laughs> i do like mine though uh and I, I love the shit out of them but i don't i don't do i don't do anything at their school other than like pay for stuff there's a field trip okay we'll pay for you kids and then we'll also pay for extra kids to go um i never get my kids ready for school because i am going to work um but you know, I, I do pay for them to be at this school that they're going. So I, I, I feel really guilty being a working, a working mom with many gigs and I don't have a lot of time, but I have these two little people who need their mom. Um, so every now and then I, um, will take a day off of work and do some and steal one of them away from school and do something really special with them. And so this week, um, I just, surprised my son took him out of school early and we went to go see the lego movie um and it was so fun those i've we've talked about those lego movies in the past yeah, before on the show they because they have a lot of adult jokes <laughs> yep. in them and it, it was just a lot of fun and my son didn't like take any bathroom breaks during the movie so we got to watch the whole oh, wow. thing he all really the way liked through. it <laughs> he really liked it and it was just it was just really really like special so um to all y'all working moms out there <laughs> this shit is hard but um I, I i was lucky enough to be able to have the vacation time to be able to spend some time with my son and it was glorious so that's how i'm doing right on yeah so thank you let's uh let's um get into some um listener letters let me um find our mailbag here all right 
oh, there it is. Oh, <laughs> so, um, what do you got for us, Beth? Um, C. Nico on Facebook said, uh, this is a dope podcast. You have to listen to understand where I'm coming from. These ladies are fun, entertaining, and give you all the black and brown serial killer stories you never knew existed. And uh, that was actually a, a review, I think, on our, our page. Uh, so oh, that cool. was that was really super cool. Yeah. Hip hop air horn for you. Hey. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nicole on Facebook said, I love murder podcasts. And this is one of my favorites. They're still pretty new. So let's show them some love, folks. And uh, she. Yeah. That's really cool. And she also requested an episode on the Honolulu Strangler. Uh, so we started looking into it, but it hasn't been officially solved yet. So we aren't sure if we're going to do an episode on that guy. Um, but we're thinking about it. And uh, I, I am actually hoping that they find him through DNA. <laughs> Me too. Me too. DNA comes through every time. Oh, yeah. But give us your thoughts, guys. Uh, tell us what you think about doing one on a case that hasn't been solved yet. Been solved. Right. Yeah. Do you yeah. know where to find us? Let us know what you think. Yep. Um, let us know. Because I, I, I don't want to. I, I would like to dive into it, but I don't want to dive into it if the people are not that super interested. Not into so, it. And I've gotten a few us- messages saying that they're not interested in stories that are, aren't solved. And I, I get mm-hmm. that too. Cause it's like, it's just out there hanging. Yeah. But some people really like the mystery. So let's hear mm. what you have to say. Yes. Get at us and then we will get going. <laughs> um, so we got a message from raw ring gamer. It's spelled R A W ring R I N G gamer. Um, he said that he's been listening to our podcast and he seems to really enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. Hip hop air horns. Um, and we just wanted to shout out his YouTube channel, um, on behalf of him reaching out to us. So, uh, check out the roaring gamer on YouTube. All right. So now we're going to take a quick ad break. Uh, and then we're going to get into the story when we get back. We would like to invite any listeners who have a business to advertise to do it with us. For more information, please email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com or check out our website at fruitloopspod.com. All right. (laughs) We're back. We're back. I'm just barely zipping up my pants from my potty break. Um, so, uh, so who are we talking about today, Beth? Yeah. So today we're talking about Paul Durasso, also known as the Jacksonville Strangler. Um, as we mentioned, he murdered seven young women, two who were pregnant between 1997 and 2003. German authorities also suspect he may have killed several local women when he was stationed there with the army during the early 1990s. Typically, Durasso would gain the victim's trust and then talk them into letting him into their house, then tie their hands, rape, and strangle them to death. All of his known victims were young, single, African-American women. All right, so now we're going to get into... You did it, Beth! I did it! <laughs> so now we're going get... <laughs> to... Now we're going to get into some stats. All right. Um, By the way, I was talking to my mom earlier today. She's a high school teacher. And she was Uh like, why does does Cardi B do that? 
why does she do that oh thing <laughs> i was like i don't know mom don't but know. it sounds cool so yes, uh that's why so we're gonna do cool. it okay yeah it's cool <laughs> uh so stats um mr deruso aka the jacksonville strangler was a very tall man he stood six foot six inches tall now you know what they say about a tall man uh, anyway, he had at least seven victims. His crimes were committed from January 6th, 1997 to January 20th, 2003. His crimes took place in the U.S., in Georgia and Florida and possibly Germany. So yep. he's been around. Yep. So now we're going to get into the setting. Hit it, Beth. All right. The setting is Jacksonville, Florida. The population size is 856,000 with 322,000 households. The 2010 census noted that 30% of Jacksonville's population is black, 50% is white, and 15% is Hispanic. The rest are Asian, mixed, or other. Most of the Hispanic population identifies as white Hispanic. Most of the black people live in the center of the city and then fan out to the northwest part of the city. Okay, so I'm just going to interject here. And um, I've talked before about the difference between Hispanic and Latinx. Um, Latinx is is a more appropriate term to use when referring to people of um, Latin and or Hispanic descent. Hispanics are not... um, uh, it, it literally means of Spain. Um, so that your country was colonized by Spain. You know, uh, Brazilians are not Hispanic. They are Latinx. Um, right. But I think people people might assume, oh, they're Hispanic. Um, and that's wrong. So the more appropriate term, it's, more, it's a more, um, more inclusive term. It's a more um, umbrella term is Latin, Latinx or Latinx. And um, Hispanic, I think, should just be thrown away. But that's just me. Anyway. Uh- <laughs> yeah, we, we got this information from the website. And I should have corrected it, but I did not. It's all good. It's all good. Beth. Yeah. Some of these. You know, well, and and the so this happened in the early two early uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands, and all the sources that were reporting on this issue uh, were um, using the language that they had at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, areas redlined or classified as hazardous were identified as being seventy five to one hundred percent occupied by Negroes also not an appropriate term um needless to say to say despite the city's overall population increasing to 868,000 uh residents in 2015 the areas redlined nearly 80 years ago have lost 100,000 residents since 1950 wow why did they leave yeah (laughs) i know but do you it's called white terrorism (laughs) so an interesting historical fact about jacksonville the southernmost battle of the revolutionary war took place within jacksonville's current boundary the fight known today as the battle of thomas creek took place three miles north of where jacksonville international airport now stands i had no idea that there was any fighting in florida during the revolutionary war 
You know, I didn't, I didn't either. And that's what's really neat about researching these cases is we're learning things about the United States that I had no Never idea knew. about. Never knew. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, so Jacksonville is Florida's largest city. Also did not know that. The city was named after, oh boy, this is my <laughs> least favorite president. After General Andrew Jackson, who later became president, who was a wild ass fucking racist, whose greatest hits include the Trail of Tears. Now, <clears throat> Welcome to Court Culture Corner with um, Wendy and Beth. The Trail of Tears was a series of forced removal of indigenous American peoples in the United States from their ancestral homelands in the southeastern United States. White politicians called it an Indian problem and white Americans got the shit scared out of them and believed it and thus co-signed the removal of indigenous peoples to areas to the west usually west of the Mississippi River, that had been designated as Indian Territory. The U.S. troops ordered by the U.S. President, Andrew motherfucking Jackson. Oh, that makes him sound cool. Andrew cocksucker Jackson. There we go. <laughs> Forced men, women, and children to leave their homes on foot. Yeah, and I, I actually read that uh, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, this was illegal and he did it anyway. Fucking mm -hmm. shit. Are you kidding me? I didn't, nope, I didn't know not. that part. I yeah, did not know I, that part. I researched yeah. a little bit about the Trail of Tears when this came up and yeah, mm -hmm. pretty shitty. Oh my so, God. yeah, the forced relocation gave more than 25 million acres of fertile, lucrative farmland to the mostly white settlements of Georgia, Florida. Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas. More than 46,000 Native Americans were forced, sometimes by the U.S. military, to abandon their homes and relocate to Indian territory uh, that eventually became the state of Oklahoma. More than 4,000 Native Americans died on the journey of disease, starvation, and exposure to extreme weather. This, you, you and I had to search for this history. It was yeah. not presented to us when we were children in school, which is a damn American shame. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can actually go to uh, different places on the uh, Trail of Tears. And I have uh, relatives in Arkansas. And when I was mm -hmm. visiting them, they w we went to some, some places where uh, the Trail of Tears took place and their oh, monuments wow. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. That is really neat, Beth. What, how, what did you come away from the experience feeling oh thinking. it was so fucking sad like just mm -hmm. like you can't even wrap your your head around it how uh, it mm -hmm. was genocide you know yeah it was awful yeah. yeah oh man okay well let's get into the more sad stuff <laughs> <laughs> my favorite all right buckle up <laughs> oh yes <laughs> hold on to your butts uh civil rights leader uh a philip uh, Randolph grew up in Jacksonville. Randolph created the first African-American labor union, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, in 1925. He also pushed 
President Franklin D. Roosevelt to end discrimination in hiring practices on the basis of race, color, creed, or national origin in the federal government and defense industries. Randolph was among the key organizers of the March on Washington in 1963, where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his iconic, I have a dream, (laughs) speech. In more recent history, um, when I was researching Jacksonville, I saw that just the other day, Jacksonville opened up an urban rest stop. And I was like, what the, what, what's an urban rest stop? That sounds so dope. I know. So what it is, is it's a place where homeless people can hang out. And they can get everything oh. from meals to they can have their mail sent there. They can get <gasps> medical care and showers. I Yeah, the Urban Rest Stop will give unsheltered homeless people a place to go. And I also read that they have like TVs and stuff. They can t- just hang out. And oh uh, it will support some 400 homeless people downtown that are either waiting for shelter beds to open up or who choose to sleep in the street. And I was actually talking to my sister about uh, homeless people in shelters and um, how difficult it is if you're homeless to Mm -hmm. um, one find a shelter that will take you because they're just always overcrowded. And if you, if you actually find a job, it's almost impossible Mm -hmm. to, to live in the shelter because they, um, you have to get in line to, um, Mm to, to save your place. And if you're working until five and people are in Uh line at like three o'clock in the afternoon, you're not going to get in. And then you can't take a shower and you can't do all those things you need to do in order to, uh, keep a job so it's just it's really hard yeah so this is i think this is really cool i think this is this is a a revolutionary idea i think other cities should take note if i had any power or pull in the city of of phoenix i would i would tell tell our politicians to to uh do something do something like this because we do have a a pretty uh homeless people um I don't know if other people are aware of this, but they migrate to where it's warm and where the conditions are favorable for them to sleep outside. So in the wintertime, our homeless population here in Phoenix increases. Um, In the summertime, the homeless population uh, in, you know, like Seattle or Oregon increases because the conditions outside are more favorable. We should just have places where these people can sleep and stay and just let's be humane Come yeah on, once guys. you get homeless it's really hard to to get back on your feet if to you get don't, out you know. of it yeah but it's really easy for us who have means um to do something about it uh yeah so let's do something about it that's all. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so thanks, Beth. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to put my cape on and I'm going to save everybody. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, more Jacksonville history. Jacksonville resident George Franson owns the world's largest collection of fossilized poop. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Okay. <sighs> I'm going to get serious now and be like a serious podcaster, like, you know, like, like Phoebe judge or, um, Michael Barbaro, um, a, a, uh, 
but I can't. I'm stupid, <laughs> Wendy. Uh, a committed, a committed corporalite enthusiast, Franson spent 18 years gathering 1,200 prehistoric stool samples from 15 states and eight countries. Information about the collection appears on his online museum, the Pooseum. <laughs> The poos, the poo. Oh my the gosh. This, this is this is what happens when when white guys have time and and and, and money and and room to do their hobbies. They just really. All right. You okay. like how I dropped that uh, in there for you? I did. I I and I lo- I love every second of it. Poosium. Uh, may so okay okay so maybe Jacksonville as it exists today deserves hip hop air horns and I'm going to give it to him right now. Um if okay, okay. So, yes. Jacksonville today, good job. But old Jacksonville definitely gets all the bags of dicks cuz <laughs> old Jacksonville fucking sucked. <laughs> so, now we're going to get into the killer's early life. So, what do you got for us, Beth? Paul Durso was born on August 11th, 1970 in Beaumont, Texas, to unwed parents. In 1971, when he was still just a baby, his mother moved to Los Angeles with Paul and his older brother, Joseph, to be raised with the help of her family. He saw his biological father just twice between the time that his father left the family and his arrest for murder. Um, well, that's not good. Um, according to his, (laughs) his brother, Joseph, Paul excelled in sports and thrived on meeting young women as far back as junior high school. He just knew how to say the right things. He said in 1989, at the age of 19, DeRusso became a security guard after graduating from Reseda high school in Los in the Los Angeles area. His first offenses with the law as an adult took place on December 18th, 1991 and January 21st, 1992 for carrying concealed firearms in California. In November of 1992, he enlisted in the U.S. Army. I read in a few articles that he enlisted in the Army rather than marrying a woman that he got pregnant, but I don't know that that's a fact. Um, It was in some articles and not in others, so I don't know why he uh, joined the Army, but he did, and he was stationed in Germany, where he met 21-year-old servicewoman Natoka Spann. Mm. The couple met at a German nightclub when the two soldiers were stationed in Germany. According to Natoka, we ended up talking, she said, and he talked about his family a lot. He talked about his grandmother a lot. And I liked that about him. We had just met, but he felt comfortable enough with me to get personal. And then the two married in 1995 in Las Vegas, and in 1996, they were stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. Neighbors and friends described Durasso as a lewd womanizer. He allegedly often asked young women when they planned to make flicks with him. Uh... What? Has anybody ever asked you to do that, Bev? No, I'm assuming that means he he wanted to know when they would make a porno. Yeah, like, (laughs) no, 
Nope. nope I, never. I haven't been nope. asked that either. <laughs> no, okay, just wondering. Uh, witnesses recall him trying to seduce girls as young as 13 years of age. Some who know DeRusso said he learned to manipulate girls as a youth, obsessed over pornography, and laughed at new dead women on a favorite website. I'm wondering what that website was, but others found him charming. I'm thinking it was Rotten.com. Do you remember that website? No, but I have to go to it now. (laughs) There was like all kinds of pictures of dead people. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that oh was back god. in the early, early days of, of uh, the internet. That was like the MySpace days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, even yeah. before MySpace. Ro- oh dang! Rotten.com. <laughs> yeah. Okay, noted. Um, but others found him charming, witty, and gentle. <laughs> so now we're going to get into the timeline. So hit it, Beth. A few days after New Year's Eve in 1997, a woman was kidnapped and raped in Columbus, Georgia. Durousseau was arrested on March 13, 1997, and charged with the crime. But just five months later, he was acquitted of the charges. I don't know the details on that, so I don't know why. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. Um, but if anybody out there listening does, get at us. You know where to find yeah. us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> less than one month after DeRusso was acquitted on September 7th, 1997. Oh my gosh. Seventh grade. At least that's where I was in my life. 1997. <laughs> I had just uh, gotten divorced <laughs> a couple oh. years prior. <laughs> oh, I was in, I was, me, I went back oh to college. Yeah. So I was in college. <laughs> oh. What a what a year. It was a very it good was year. A very good year. <laughs> not for not for this lady though. Oh man. No, not for uh, me either. Okay. I mean, it was yeah. it was one of okay, so uh we don't have to <laughs> Yeah, let's go go back. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into the story. Okay. Um we can talk about how terrible our the nineties were for us. Um what would we have done without Janine Garofano and uh, Bjork? <laughs> oh yeah. I actually really like the nineties, so oh well. <laughs> I liked the 90s music and the content, but I really hated my life in the oh, 90s. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You were, you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, the most, and I was yeah. I was 12 and the most awkward individual <laughs> in um, just... Oh, I was nobody, pretty awkward, Nobody too. is... I don't know. Is any is anybody cool at twelve? Like I was just such a weird. Oh person my god! My hair was my hair was so gross too. <laughs> I, okay, okay. So I had I had braids, but I I I was like. I want to be just like all the cool white girls. So I'm going to get some blonde streaks in my braids. So I had blonde streak braids. Um, I, I wore Vans, of course. Um, and I wore a hooded sweatshirt everywhere and, uh, polyester pants. I mean, and, and, and weird t-shirts that said random things like, I like jizz or oh god uh, dinos- <laughs> dinosaurs dinosaurs are cool like it's just I just wore weird, weird okay just, so weird <laughs> so when I was 12 uh probably more like 13 you know I I uh I wanted my hair cut like Dorothy Hamill you know uh the the so, ice skater can I google her right now okay, yeah go ahead okay, okay. so she had really short her. 
feathered hair and that was like really popular at the time in the 70s and uh, uh-huh. so I got my hair cut like Dorothy Hamill but I had no idea how to um, style it and my mom oh. was <laughs> my mom was not into uh, like makeup and hairstyling <laughs> or anything like that so I had no fucking clue and there was no YouTube to show me how to do it so my <laughs> hair it. was just like short and ugly and I was fat and (laughs) I loved Steve Martin oh the comedian okay so I would wear shirts that would say one wild and crazy gal (laughs) (laughs) out of balloons oh my god oh oh my god (laughs) yeah so I I was pretty fucking nerdy God, you know what? You know, somebody, somebody needs to be there. There needs to be a person like in school or in like the world who will who can save twelve year olds from their from themselves. Scoop us up yes, and say, like, "Oh, hey, uh, uh, not cool." Or, or even better, say, "You know what? That is totally cool. Everybody else should be doing that." <laughs> Every, everybody pees their pants just like in that stupid Adam Sandler movie. Every, you're not cool unless you pee your pants. Uh, uh, yeah. We sure did. Okay. Being okay. Up. Let's start over oh, again. So here we go. Back to the 90s. Um, less than one month after DeRusso was acquitted on September 7th, 1997, the nude body of Tracy Habersham was found by someone walking a dog near the neighborhood where the 26-year-old grew up. Tracy had been missing for 48 hours and was last seen two days earlier at a party at a Fort Benning nightclub. She had been raped and strangled to death with a cord, and police believed that she had been killed shortly after leaving the party. Duraso was not a suspect in that murder at the time. The following week, Duraso's wife, Nautica, gave birth to a daughter. Two months later, due to continued domestic violence, she took her daughter and returned to her hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. DeRusso then followed them to Florida. In January 1999, DeRusso accepted a dishonorable discharge rather than face a court-martial for being in possession of computer equipment stolen from the Army base. No big deal. On April 1999, DeRusso was arrested for molest. Oh, no. Molesting a 15-year-old girl in Jacksonville. But charges were not filed. The next month, he was arrested in Jacksonville for trespassing and spent two days in jail. And then in July 1999, DeRusso raped and killed 24-year-old Teresa Mack in her apartment. Teresa was a single mother of three kids. Mm. She was outgoing and devoted to her children. The last time anyone heard from Mac was around 1.25 p.m. that afternoon when Mac spoke with a friend on the phone. Mac did not pick her children up from daycare that day, and she missed a 3 p.m. doctor's appointment for her youngest child, and this was all very unusual uh, because, as we said, she was devoted to her children. She was devoted to her children. Her youngest child had asthma, I believe, and I think that Mm -hmm. she, uh, the appointment was That's why she was going to the doctors. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think at the time, um, she was not wandering, but, but... going about town looking for places to apply for jobs um yeah because she was having a hard time uh finding a job because she 
kept having to miss work because of her of her, her child with yeah, the asthma. doctor appointment. Yeah, yeah. which oh, is another unfortunate thing about being um, having ch- children with uh, special needs. Um, being poor and corporate America uh-huh. and corporate America. Mm-hmm. So uh, if yep. this was, if this was a white dude, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Um, no, no. So uh, family members tried to reach uh, Tyresa by phone, uh, but were unable to. And around 7 PM that same evening, Mac's sister went to Mac's apartment to check on her. There, uh, she discovered Mac's body lying in a semi-fetal position on the bed. Her body was nude from the waist down and a white cord was wrapped around her neck. The living room television and a necklace and bracelet set that Mac always wore were missing. She was bound, raped, and strangled with an electrical cord. The medical examiner concluded that Mac died from asphyxia and DNA evidence was found at the scene. Eyewitnesses saw a tall black man at Mac's Jacksonville apartment sometime between noon and 2 p.m. One of the eyewitnesses saw this man carrying a television out of the apartment and watched as he placed it in his car. Eyewitnesses were shown mug shots but were unable to identify him. Some acquaintances were interviewed as possible suspects, but were cleared. However, as the DNA was recovered from the crime scene, uh, they did have that. Mm -hmm. But the murder went unsolved for four years. Four years, fools! (laughs) Yep, four years. (laughs) DeRusso uh, struggled to keep jobs and make ends meet. And he and Nataka would... Did I say that right? Nataka. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I'm trying. It's it's spelled N-A-T-O-C-A. So yes. we're not um, really sure how it's pronounced, but Nataka or Natoka, I'm not Natoka. sure. Natoka. Okay. Would have... Uh, they would often fight about money, he and his wife. A few weeks after uh, Teresa Mack's murder, Natoka DeRusso asked police how to get a domestic violence restraining order after DeRusso became violently angry when Nataka talked about getting a divorce. He allegedly slapped her in the face and grabbed her by the neck. However, she did not follow up with the police on that initial complaint. But 19 months after she first inquired about a restraining order, Natoka did seek one after being assaulted by Durso again. Mm. But the injunction was never granted because the couple came to an agreement to drop the petition, which this is all pretty typical of uh, domestic violence uh, couples that... uh, Uh I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, It's... uh, We've talked about domestic violence issues in the past, and uh, Mm -hmm. we might need to link up some sources when we um, post our episode and do the footnotes, but um, it's... it's, uh, I think on average, it takes a woman seven times to try to leave. I was, th- I was thinking get 10 out. times. Oh, oh. Yeah, somewhere okay. around there. Yeah. It, it, well, it's seven it's, to 10 times somewhere yeah. around there. We're just pulling this from our yeah. brains. So. <laughs> I've, look, I'm just trying to remember what I've seen on Oprah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> a lot. Anyway, a, a lot, lot. a lot of times to try to leave to get to safety. 
even even when you have kids, even when the abuse is so terrible, it's it's not easy to leave a domestic yeah. violence situation. And so we should not shame these women. We should not shame anybody that we know in our lives who is undergoing these current conditions or involved in this situation. It's it's really hard. It's so, really hard. Yeah. So there. Um, three months later, <laughs> uh, June 24th, 2001, a 19-year-old Jacksonville woman was raped in her home. She and DeRusso were dating, and when she broke up with him, he assaulted and raped her. DeRusso was arrested and spent 30 days in jail. In a plea deal, the charges were reduced to simple assault. He received two years probation. DNA had been taken. But the plea bargain also kept his DNA out of the police database. What the fuck? He went to court, ordered counseling, but missed nine of 15 appointments. Okay. So yeah, pretty much was was not doing that. Not one bit. Not doing that. No. So Durso did manage to hold down a few legitimate jobs. In 2001, he was hired as a school bus driver and an animal control worker, and also as an auto mechanic, despite being a convicted felon. But on August 31st, 2001, Durso was arrested for domestic battery. He spent 48 days in jail until his wife dropped the charges and he was released. Eight months later, he was arrested for burglary and spent five months in jail awaiting trial. On October 4th, 2002, DeRusso was acquitted of the burglary charge by jury verdict. Oh, wow. But the judge extended DeRusso's probation by two years. Then, on December 19, 2002, 18-year-old Nicole L. Williams's body was found wrapped in a blue blanket at the bottom of a ditch in Jacksonville. She had been reported missing two days earlier. And on the evening of New Year's Day, January 1, 2003, family members of 19-year-old Nakia Kilpatrick went to check on her. They had not had any news from her for several days. Her body was found in her bedroom of the apartment. She had been raped, then strangled with a coaxial cable as many as two days prior. Her two sons, an 11-month-old and a 2-year-old, were alive but malnourished. Kilpatrick was approximately six months pregnant at the time of her death. DNA evidence was recovered. It takes a special sick fuck to kill a woman who is with child, if you ask me. Yeah, and then with two children in her house, too. Yes, yes. What the fuck, And man? to just leave her there. And uh-huh. and they were there for, what, two, two days? Yes. And, and they could have died. They yeah. co- yes. Uh, it, just, it just blows my fucking mind. So... Ten days later, and just a mile away, 20-year-old nursing student Shonda Denise McAllister, who was also pregnant at the time of her death, was raped and strangled in her Jacksonville apartment. The murder scene was almost identical to that of Kilpatrick. She was found by her boyfriend, bound and naked, and had a unique slipknot with an electrical cord tied around her neck. The slipknot was identical to how the cable on Nakia Kilpatrick's neck had been tied. 
DNA was found at this crime scene as well. And it was later matched to the DNA found at the crime scene at Nakia Kilpatrick's murder. Duraso had begun working for the Gator City Taxi Company, and Shawanda was killed on his first day of driving a cab for them. Her body was found the following day. It has been erroneously reported in various news articles that Gator City Taxi Company failed to run a background check on Duroso, and this is how he first came into contact with some of his victims. But the City of Jacksonville Department of Motor Vehicle Taxicab Inspection Office is responsible for background investigations of people applying for taxicab driver permits. And Duraso was issued a taxicab driver permit from the city of Jacksonville. So they're the ones who failed to uh, do the background check, mm. apparently. Apparently. And um, I don't, uh, I was going to say, I mean, I take lifts very frequently. Um, I don't take regular city cabs um, because they're mm-hmm. trash. And, um, did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic yeah. that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow! Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided, it's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruitlips HQ. Oh, yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp, and especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, Mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhelp.com slash fruit. I, I just think I just think that 
they're all, <laughs> I think that they're all scammers. And I think that they're all, I think all taxi cabs are trash. And it, I don't know, I don't have anything good to say ab- ab- about these taxi cab companies. They're, they're really. All, all I got to say about it is um, every time I've tried to use a, a taxi, mm-hmm. it's always been a big fat pain in the ass. I've had to mm-hmm. wait around for forever. Yeah. The taxi cab drivers are weird. Uh-huh. And <laughs> what are, what are they thinking? And you guys can't compete with the, the, the new age. Like, so no taxi cabs, I think just need to go, just get out. Go. Or or just get on, you know, the same kind of format where you call a taxi with an yeah, app. Yeah, where we can background check. And, yeah, you see the picture of the person and, and they uh-huh. track you and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And yeah. we, can, we, can send, we can send our trip. Yeah. Yep. Get yep. on it. They're, they're, well, guess who runs um, taxi cabs? Who? Old white dudes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I uh, just saying that... Um, I have an old white dude in my house who doesn't love change. Uh, it, is hard, it, is, it is hard for him to try new things. And so change have, is great. We, you know, we, guys, change we, is great. We, change is great. You guys, I'm telling you, I am telling you, but I think old white guys are scared. They're scared. They're scared of change. Life changes all the time. It changes all the time. And um, you just have to embrace it. Yes. You just have to embrace it. Because it's going to change whether you like it or not. So you might as well embrace it and see what's good about the change and, you know, try to try to find the good spots. I don't know. You know what? I think, Beth, that statement deserves a hip-hop air horn. And if I keep my fucking phone to cooperate right now, there we go! There we go! Something else that drives me nuts is, like, when people complain about millennials and and how worthless they are. Oh my god! You know what? So I'm an air, I'm an elderly millennial and I get offended every fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and- I'm, I'm offended just because it's not true. You know, things are changing that our lives are changing. So uh-huh. they're behaving differently than the way that we behaved when we uh-huh. were younger. Big deal. We behave differently from the way the, the generation oh my God, before God. us behaved yes. and they complained about us. I know so they complained about it's not. Yes. You're not a baby boomer. Are you? are you a baby boomer? I'm right on the cusp. I'm Generation X. Okay. But right on the cusp. Okay. But okay, they okay. always complained about Generation X being slackers and oh, yes. blah, 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 oh, whatever. Yes. You know, yes. it's, it's all bullshit. They always kids, complain. The kids yes. are okay. The kids are okay. <laughs> yes. Everybody's okay. <laughs> Everybody is just trying to survive, you fucking cocksuckers. Ugh. <laughs> so anyway it drives me crazy anyway uh shawanda had withdrawn money from an atm and review of the video showed a taxi cab in the background with its lights on they could not see the company the neighbors said that they saw a gator city cab parked in front of shawanda's apartment building between 9 to 11 p.m. Investigators began investigating taxi cab drivers at Gator City Taxi. 
On February 5th, 2003, the bodies of 17-year-old Giovanna Jefferson and 19-year-old Sarita Cohen were found close to each other in a ditch next to a construction site on New Kings Road in Jacksonville. Police estimated that Jefferson was murdered around January 20th and Cohen was killed 10 days later. Witnesses recounting having seen the two last victims with a taxi driver fitting Paul Duraso's description on the night that they each disappeared. Giovanna Jefferson was reported missing after she failed to return from a trip to the store. On the morning of her disappearance, she received a phone call from the man she referred to as D. She left the house to meet D, and that's the last time she was seen alive. Police combed through Giovanna's phone records and quickly learned that D was probably Paul DeRusso. The clue was an important lead. However, according to Jacksonville Sheriff Nat Glover, there was not enough evidence yet available to charge him. Sarita Cohen was found with her hands bound behind her back with a telephone cord. There was bruising on Giovanna Jefferson's wrists, which the medical examiner said was consistent with being bound before death. Jacksonville police realized they had a serial killer on the loose and Paul Duruso was their prime suspect. So now we are going to get into the investigation and arrest. So I will take it from here. Uh, On February 6th, 2003, the day after the two last victims' bodies were found, DeRusso was arrested on unrelated charges. Um, Violation of probation because he was not attending court-ordered counseling sessions. Police wanted him off the streets since he was the prime suspect in the murders, but they didn't have the hard evidence lined up yet. Yeah, so that's, um, I want to say that's pretty cool, but (laughs) it's not really cool, (laughs) but it's good. It's good that they they knew that it was him, but they didn't have the evidence yet, so they they got him on something else so that they could lock him up. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. What's that? What's that uh, Kevin Spacey movie where they got uh, Capone? It's like, it's like, it's Capone-ish, no? Yeah, they Caponed him. (laughs) They Caponed him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Investigations showed that DNA evidence, fiber analysis, cab records, and cell phone calls all linked Duraso to the murders. Also, according to Sheriff Nat Glover, the killer used a peculiar slipknot on the ligature he used to strangle some of the victims. Authorities used the months that Duraso was jailed to piece together the evidence with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. A search of Duraso's previous residence turned up a bad sheet that contained DNA from Jefferson, and a search of his car turned up jewelry belonging to Cohen and Jefferson, and the pair's cell phone records showed that they had placed calls to him. Police went back to the June 24th, 2001 rape charge 
that had been reduced to simple assault, got the DNA collected in that case and matched it uh, to the DNA found at the various crime scenes. Yay. So they knew it was Paul. Yes. Yes. We found it. We got you, bitch. Yep. They got him. On June 23rd, 2003, Durso was indicted on five counts of first-degree murder for the murders of Nicole Williams, Nakia Kilpatrick, Shawanda McAllister, Giovanna Jefferson, and Sarita Cohen. The similar methodology employed by the perpetrator, as well as DNA evidence from each crime scene, caused investigators to conclude that Mac was one of Durso's victims. On August 26, 2003, DeRusso was arrested for the murder of Teresa Mack while he was still at the Duval County Jail. Duval! You know who the little, you, do you know who little Duval is? <laughs> oh, he, he's, a, he, he's a comedian, but he, he released a track um, that is super fun. It's called Living My Best Life. It's little Duval. Okay. Anyway, uh, no, don't know okay. that one. Sorry, you don't know that one. All right. Too old. All Too old. right. <laughs> I'm living my best life. Uh, <laughs> so while in the booking area, Detective Rodney McKean informed Deruso that he was being formally charged with the murder of Tyresa Mack. Deruso stated. I don't know no Mac. When the police informed him that Mac had been murdered in Florida Avenue, DeRusso responded, I don't know that girl. Police described his behavior at the time as aloof and arrogant. Most of DeRusso's neighbors in the far north Jacksonville neighborhood that he lived in described him as a quiet person who kept to himself. But Marie Thompson, 25, who lived two doors down, said she had known him for years and found him to be unsavory. He was just nasty. Mm. He did things to young girls he shouldn't do, she said. I like that. Mm. He's just nasty. Mm, nasty. nasty. It's a nasty mm. award. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Derusa was charged with murder in the deaths of five young women killed in Jacksonville between December 2002 and February 2003, but was only prosecuted in the Tyresa Mack case. The prosecutor didn't think that they had enough hard evidence in those cases and that the DNA only showed that he had sex with the victims. Trash. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, uh, they had like a shit ton of evidence. They had a sh- They're fucking trash. Uh, anyway, yeah. DNA was also matched in Tyresa Mack's murder, and police theorized that DeRusso probably charmed his way into their house, then later attacked her. They believed that this was, in fact, his MO for most of the crime. The eyewitnesses who, if you recall, saw a tall black man with Tyresa's television were able to identify Duraso in photo lineups. The prosecutor felt that this was the strongest case, I guess because the eyewitnesses, I don't know, it seemed like they had a lot of circumstantial evidence (laughs) for the other ones. But anyway, it was the only one that Duraso was prosecuted for. But the other murders were allowed to be presented as evidence in the trial, which is interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Fucking 
DNA would also later tie him to Tracy Habersham's murder in Georgia and German authorities, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, suspect mm-hmm. Duraso may have killed several local women when he was stationed there in the army during the early 1990s. Fucking A, man. Yeah. Oh, God, I would love to be a man in in, in any society. You just get away with it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Sling my dick around and fuck all these bitches and, and just, just yeah. get away with all kinds of crimes. <laughs> Woo! All right. Uh, in July 2004, Judge John Skinner ordered a psychological evaluation for DeRusso. According to his examination of DeRusso's early life, they found almost none of the indicators that normally suggest future antisocial behavior. You guys are fucking idiots. He allegedly experienced (laughs) no abuse growing up. There were no known traumatic events in his life. Fuck you. And he graduated from his high school without incident okay so yeah i would say having an absent father could be considered traumatic Uh, and in a psychological examination they're relying on self-reporting and he may have chosen not to report any abuse Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's possible that there wasn't any yeah you're right it's possible Mm -hmm. and a lot of um people who are considered psychopaths are they start their uh, criminal behavior when they're really young. And this guy really didn't until he was in his twenties. So it's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But from everything I've read, psychopathic behavior can be the result of nature, nurture, or both. Yeah. Um, but another thing that I didn't uh, notice until now <laughs> is he was in he was he was in prison uh he he had been jailed yeah, yeah and that's true that's true real, some really fucked up stuff happens to men young boys when they are in prison in these um confined spaces and that's that's why the uh the documentary making a murderer is called uh-huh. making a murderer yeah because they allege that you know the the guy who was jailed he Mm -hmm. didn't do the crime Mm -hmm. he was um imprisoned Mm -hmm. and then uh they found out he was innocent let him go and then we don't know if he committed this crime the second crime or not but if he did it's probably because he was jailed (laughs) yep yeah so because of the terrible environment and i don't know what i know i know that i know that prisons make a lot of money for a lot of people but you fucking assholes need to reevaluate your business model because this is really just tearing people up this is just killing this is just killing people stop i think a lot of a lot of people think of uh prison as a punishment and really um yeah, it's sort of a punishment. You know, you take people out of society, but it should not be a punishment to the point where you're actually making people worse. 
You know, it's a, it should 100%. be more about rehabilitation. You, you yeah. are absolutely right. should be all about rehabilitation, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know what? We're, we are spending so many tax dollars on just housing these people when mm-hmm. we really should be spending mm-hmm. it on, on making these people productive members of society instead of creating more criminals and worse criminals all right you know what beth you're you're getting a hip hop because because you are one of the white ladies you are one of the white ladies who gets it i've told i've i've i just i just i just love that you get it that no this you can't just it's just common sense you know to me it just seems like common sense God damn it, motherfuckers. Oh, my fucking (laughs) God. Oh, my God. You are right. No, we can't just. It's not helping. It's not helping. No, it's not. It's making everything worse. Tell me who it's helping. Tell me who it's helping. If it's not helping, then we need to do something different. And we need to do something different. Yeah. And and old white guys are resistant to change. So, yes, they are. Uh, Oh, my God. I have have one in my house who wants to speak to all the managers. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He loves talking to the managers. <laughs> he can't help himself. <laughs> all right. Uh, where are we? Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, all of DeRusso's victims were black women aged 18 to 20 years old who were attacked in their own homes, tied up, raped, then strangled with electric cord. His motivation was classified as disorganized lust. Although witnesses placed Durso near Mac's apartment on the day of her death, the defense argued that the investigation was sloppy and that the evidence had been fabricated. But on June 8th, 2007, the jury found Durso guilty of first-degree murder. According to eyewitness accounts, Durso, 36, showed no emotion when the verdict was announced. During the penalty phase, the state alleged the existence of four aggravators. One, DeRusso was previously convicted of a felony involving the use of uh, the use or threat of violence. Two, the murder was committed while the defendant was engaged in the commission of a robbery or sexual battery. And three, the murder was committed for i'm sorry pecuniary okay uh you're gonna need to give me the definition <laughs> of that one pecuniary <laughs> gain and for murder was especially heinous atrocious and cruel um i'm sorry pecuniary gain what does that mean Beth? Uh, monetary i think oh okay all right i'm done i believe i don't yeah. know anymore <laughs> Duraso asserted the existence of the following statutory mitigating circumstances. Get this. One, his capacity to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or to conform his conduct to the requirement of the law was substantially impaired at the time he committed the murder. How? And two, he (laughs) suffered from an extreme mental and emotional disturbance at the time of the murder. You don't say. (laughs) 
<laughs> he presented two mental health experts and 17 lay witnesses. Duraso also presented evidence of 17 non-statutory mitigators. But the jury recommended the death penalty by a vote of 10 to 2. If I had a dick, I'd ask DeRusso to suck it because he is a piece of That shit. is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. That is total bullshit. Yeah. Ooh, all right, DeRusso. <laughs> Get out of here. Hey. So uh, now we're going to get into, oh, where are they now? Well, I'll tell you. On December 13th, 2007, DeRusso was sentenced to death by lethal injection for the murder of Tyresa Mack. In January 2017, DeRusso's death sentence was overturned by the Florida Supreme Court. The decision cited a January 2016 U.S. Supreme Court ruling in a case known as Hearst v. Florida, saying, <clears throat> DeRusso's death sentence was imposed under an unconstitutional capital sentencing statute. In other words, it's fuck shit. Anyway, uh, because the trial jury split on the death sentence, it was 10 to 2. The state Supreme Court threw out the death sentence since the jury was not unanimous. Duraso is currently housed at the Maximum Security Unit at Union Correctional Institute in the Florida Department of Corrections. According to their website, he has a detainer from Columbus, Georgia, PD, dated 5-23-18. From what I understand, I did a little research, it's a warrant for pending charges in another jurisdiction and uh, likely for the murder of Tracy Habersham in Georgia. So if he's ever released... Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We'd just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. And then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? <laughs> Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, <laughs> while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if mm -hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy, in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground, ground at work or in line at the grocery store. One thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, it is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll mm -hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your 
internet connection. Download your favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today, or in the future, never are undecided. It's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. He would be sent to Georgia. Oh. to face those charges oh so that's good that is good that's it so he, he won't he won't escape justice that's good no no he's uh, he's spending the rest of his life in jail yeah all righty well um let's get into what we think made him snap tell me what you got beth i'm dying to know og of two well <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. As we mentioned earlier, they found almost none of the indicators that normally suggest future antisocial behavior. He allegedly experienced no abuse growing up. There was no known traumatic events in his family life that we know of, aside from having an absent father. Okay. It's possible that there was some abuse that was not disclosed, but we don't know. Um, he was definitely abusive towards his wife, and obviously he had some anger, which he directed towards women. Mm-hmm. Some studies have shown similarities between the mental impairments observed in psychopaths and those seen in patients with frontal lobe damage. Mm. Um, and we've talked about head injuries mm-hmm. uh, in other episodes, but we don't know if he ever had a head injury. Um, other studies have shown that there is a gene which is linked with an increased risk of violent or aggressive behavior known as the MAOA gene. Oh. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Okay. Monoamine oxidase A. This gene, sometimes called the warrior gene, controls the production of a protein that breaks down brain signaling chemicals like dopamine, noradrenaline and serotonin which all influence mood Mm -hmm. Uh, but we don't know if he has this gene and even if he does further studies have shown that people who have it normally only show psychopathic behavior when they also have traumatic childhoods so in short Mm -hmm. we just don't have enough information but i think that you are on to something 
when you were talking about uh, him being jailed. And, yeah. you know, there could have been some abuse in there. Yeah, I was I was going to say, like, uh, we all know being growing up black in America is dramatic in itself. But I think that him being in the system was also enough to credit his violent tendencies. Um, I don't know if anybody listening has seen the, um, what is that? What is that? The young man who got jailed for stealing a backpack, which he didn't steal, um, but he was in jail for three years because he never got a trial. Oh my God. Um, And which happens all the fucking time. It happens a lot. Especially to people of color. Especially to people of color. And this individual young boy was put in solitary confinement for years. Um, And And that drives people crazy. It drives, it it really does. It literally makes you lose your mind. And so I can only imagine Mr. Drusso being in jail and the what it could have done to him psychologically and and what that led to him when he left the prison gates and so uh, i think that that is something to be considered uh as part of his yeah. story um uh, i i i can say so many yeah i think things. you're onto something yeah, yeah i can say so many things uh, he may not have he may never have never been abused as a child but he went into he went into prison or went into jail and um that that could have been what fucked him up and who led, knows what happened in there yeah. yeah yeah so we we will really never know but that's what i think might have contributed to his snapping so now yeah. we're going to get into yeah. his what's next takeaways um we're going to get into our takeaways Oh, our takeaways. That's right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I got a lot of information from the true crime documentary on ID that I found on YouTube about this killer. Um, the detectives were very diverse, which was really cool because um, uh, yeah. it, it was in Florida. So there's a lot of brown and black um, people on the um, police force. Um, and that was really cool. And uh, they noticed quicker than other trash ass police departments that there was a connection (laughs) given the similar scenes and similar victims. Also, this man worked in the neighborhood where he killed his victims. People recognized him and saw him. And I'm pissed that he victimized his own community in the way that he did and um, left a really lasting impact given the surviving family members it's yeah it it's evil so oh yeah it is yeah um so in this case like in the case about the taco bell strangler if you listen to that one um it seemed like his early life was okay and Mm -hmm. he did well in school and did not get into trouble until later like i said in his 20s Mm -hmm. Uh, then when he did get into trouble, it seems like he was given a pass and, uh, he had opportunities to correct himself, but he did not. Mm -hmm. And instead went on to do some pretty heinous stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the investigators on the ID show that Wendy mentioned um, made a statement about how when people like this are not given consequences for their actions, they start thinking that they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I have known people like that. Oh. Um, and I think empathy makes us want to give people second chances. Mm-hmm. And if the person is charming, mm-hmm. they often get third, fourth, and fifth chances. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as the great Maya Angelou says, hey. when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Ooh, all right. I'm going <laughs> to have to get the applause sound effect. Okay. Yes. 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 (laughs) But I wrote that before I I considered um, the jailing. Uh, So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I... I will never know. It's just it's just fun to talk about. But stuff. still, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Just... <laughs> so now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. All right. So <clears throat> if you love to crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. Uh, the segment is not intended to be victim blaming we thought of this segment because i read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer but in my mind this is not meant to blame the victims it's just learning from other people's mistakes sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and then we'll just offer up generic tips so I got nothing. Beth, I can't wait to hear what you have for us. <laughs> so I found something online, a list of safety tips for women written by a female cop. A lot of them we've already touched on in other episodes, and it's it's long, so I won't read the whole thing. Uh, but we'll put it in our footnotes so you can go and look at it. However, uh, one tip seemed to correspond with the story in this episode. In a list of what she called the most common mistakes women can make that could result in getting kidnapped, attacked, or, and or raped. Oh. She said, one of the mistakes is trusting a clean-cut, honest-looking stranger. I see mugshots of every sex offender in the state of Florida. They do not look like monsters. They often look like they could be your friendly grocer. They are every age between 15 and 90 and probably beyond. Oh, no. Only a small minority actually looks scary. I just read a case yesterday of a man with one leg who beat up his victim with his crutch (gasps) before he raped her. Santa Maria! Who who would have ever thought that a one-legged man would be a rapist oh no so pretty much don't trust anybody don't trust any fucking body oh no and and uh paul duraso um from what i've read he would make friends with the victims and then he would talk his way into their house yeah and then he would attack them so yeah yeah, just gotta be careful even like like this lady the the cop says uh they look normal 
So they they don't look they don't they have something on us. their foreheads mm-hmm. that says monster, you know. Mm-hmm. They just look mm-hmm. like normal people. Trust yeah. your gut. Um don't trust anybody until you've known them for a long time. That's no. that's all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good tip. Thank you so much. So um, <laughs> now we are going to get into some serial killer and true crime news. Basically, anything not created or curated by a straight, white, cisgender dude. So what do you got for All us? All right. <laughs> uh, this is actually from Sasha on our Facebook uh, discussion group. Oh, uh, she posted an article, uh, which is an update on Samuel Little, oh. who is, if you remember, the old black dude who confessed mm-hmm. to being a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he drew some pictures of many of his victims from mm-hmm. memory. Oh, and the FBI, FBI is asking for help in identifying them. Mm-hmm. The FBI has said that the images have proven quite accurate. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm guessing that they have already identified some of the victims. Hopefully. They have released, yeah, they have released 16 pictures to the public, and the way that it's worded makes me think that there are more. Mm -hmm. He's confessed to over 90 murders, Yeah, and they have been able to corroborate the facts on somewhere around 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And this guy must have one heck of a memory. I'm oh yes. What. <laughs> well, no, it's not typical. Like in cases that I've um, understood, is that serial killers they remember very vividly these their women, crimes. their crimes, yeah. and and they remember mm-hmm. so many details that, of course, of course, he can draw pictures of them. Yeah. Well, there's so many of them, though. Like, I, know. Ugh, I can't even. I can't even imagine. It's yeah. So anyway, the FBI said we want to give these women their names back and their families some long-awaited answers. Mm-hmm. It's the least we can do. Yeah. So you can visit the FBI's website to see more information about each of Little's portraits, including when and where each alleged victim may have been killed. The Bureau has urged anyone with information about the victims to contact their violent criminal apprehension program at 1-800-634-4097. And we'll add all this to our footnotes. We will. And um, thank you so much, Beth. Um, Let's identify these women so they and their families can get the long-awaited justice they justice that they deserve we'd also like to acknowledge that there is a need for us to do an episode on samuel little but okay (laughs) but we want to do a really good job on it and um yeah the killers we want to do an adequate story on the killer and we want to do uh justice to the victims and there's still so many missing pieces to this story that we at, at, at Fruit Loops, we don't think that we can do it justice yet. So we rest assured we will do a show on this killer someday, but we're I don't think we're ready to do it yet. Um, so sit tight, Fruit yeah. Loops Pod Squad. We see you, boo. <laughs> we will yeah. do it someday. So hip hop air horns, yes. Fruit Loops Pod Squad. We hear you. We will do it someday, just not yet. Okay. Yeah. 
So um, now uh, we are going to get into the show where we do our shout outs to any content by people of color, about people of color, um, or any um, marginalized groups, LGBTQ groups, any or, or any true crime goodies. So um, I wanted to shout out two dope queens. They don't really need a shout out by us because <laughs> they are already <laughs> super awesome. Have you heard of them, Beth? I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 So uh, they're already super awesome, super popping um, right now. But before they do, they're doing their HBO special. I wanted to um, just shout them out. I used to listen to their podcast and um HBO heard their podcast and was like, let's give them a show. <laughs> so maybe they'll do that to <laughs> That's us. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey. So- <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> so HBO heard, heard, heard how awesome their podcast was and, and decided to give them a show. And um, I'm just really, really proud of them. It's a really, really funny group of guys. Ga- it's, it's two black comedian females it's phoebe robinson and uh jessica williams who was on the um she was on the daily show and um they do a little banter they do some improv with each other um they have interesting guests um they bring on only lgbtq comedians and poc comedians and they let them each do a set um there are no new podcast episodes, unfortunately, but they're 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 um they have a new season of their HBO show that's coming out now, which is really exciting. So follow them on Instagram. Go back and listen to their old episodes because they are really funny. No matter even even though it's not like it's not current, it is still super funny. Um, and support these two dope queens. They are hilarious. So support Black women and listen to Black women. These two awesome. Dope- uh-huh. So, um, also, um, oh my God, have you seen Abducted in Plain Sight on Netflix? <laughs> Did you watch? I haven't bit? seen it, oh but I've, I haven't. But I, I've heard about oh it. Oh my <laughs> God! Okay, I'm sorry, but these these white people in Utah are fucking nuts. Sorry to our fans in Utah, but these people are fucking ridiculous. I still don't know what to think about this fucking family. The and this, oh my god. Okay, the dad jacked off the dude who was his neighbor. Dude fucked the mom. Okay, then the dude had sex with the daughter and kidnapped her two times. Two times, mm-hmm. fool. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, and 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 they waited five days to call the police because they didn't want to stir shit up are you they didn't want to bother anybody you know they didn't want to bother anybody i can't even i'm looking around like Uh, what the fuck is wrong with these people am i am i am i am i crazy this is crazy (laughs) no crazy no you're not what crazy yeah they're, they're crazy okay okay <laughs> oh, lastly oh, i have one more um shout out uh and this is to an artist um because i want to support black art um 
it is rodbensonart.com. He's a former NBA athlete, very talented artist. Um, follow his shit on the internet. Follow him on Instagram. It's uh, at Z, letter Z, S-O-R-R-Y-O-N. Um, that's Z Sarion at uh, uh, rodbensonart.com. And um, he is really cool. He's So he's an NBA basketball player. Um, retired, but he has really, really cool neon art, and I just think it's we'll have to check that, that out. You know, we should support. I mean, so it's neon, so that's yeah. Z Sarion neon. Yeah. All right, Sarion, gotcha, gotcha. Neon. Uh, and, and right. I, think, I think Sarion is his middle name. Um, so Rod oh, okay. Sarion um, Benson. I I thought it was a like some kind of play on neon. Oh, that. Well, look, that's the artist in you. Can it could be. It's creative, be. At, creative ass stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, so um, I'm sorry. I gave three shout outs and I feel really bad because. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Well, I'll but- save. I'll save shout outs for next week. I really didn't have any anyway. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Okay. All right. Um, but um, so where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. That's right. Now, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. Talk to Bambi. So one of our employees just reported sexual harassment, and I don't even have a policy on how to deal with this. What do I do? Talk to Bambi. One of our people never shows up when they're supposed to. What are my options? Talk to Bambi. 
With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 a year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Start your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash assistant right now. Spelled Bambee.com slash assistant. Sports are easy to disagree on. Let's see what happens when sports talk hosts talk about something they agree on. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm saying drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Well, I disagree. I think drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. <laughs> Come on. Wait, I think we're saying the same thing. Oh, so uh, what do we do now? Everyone agrees that drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2020 and May 2021. Potential savings will vary. 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters, it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing; she'd invested three hundred thousand dollars with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. 